Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Thank you, everyone. It's so wonderful to be with you here again this weekend. It's been such a treat and a joy. We just want to honour Pastor Steve and and Cindy and the whole team. Uh, You've just hosted us, all the volunteers. You've loved on us. Mandy, thank you for the coffee this morning as well. I just feel so much love. I feel like I'm with family. I feel like I'm with my own church family. And... um, and I, and I was just asking the Lord, how can I encourage the church today? And I got, I got a picture of the seven lampstands in Revelation and there was a lamp burning and, and the Son of Man was kind of walking around with his fiery eyes, his robe and his sash. And I just felt like you were coming into a season, Steve and Cindy, where the lamp and the oil was burning brightly in your midst and it was a corporate thing but it was an individual thing and I just felt like there was going to be an ease and an increase and things were going to happen fast. It feels like everything the Holy Spirit is doing is he's taking us on a fast ride like doing a a black ski hill, downhill ski and that's scary at times because I like to ski but I'm not always that bold but I just felt like the Lord saying just to encourage you, he's walking among you, the fire is going to be burning, but I just saw an increase just of that freedom and deliverance that's coming to this region, to this city. And so I just want to bless all of you that have been laboring, setting people free, taking them through Sozo and other ministries and you know, contending for healing, that the Holy Spirit's with you and it's going to increase. And Jay, get going, keep burning that lamp brightly with your teams. It's just been a delight to be in the presence of the Lord. And thank you for welcoming our Catch the Fire team. Thank you, Jerry, for making that happen. We just feel so honoured and blessed. And I'm going to hand over now to you. Thank you, you, darling. Fantastic. Oh, man, I love you so much, Kate. Wow. So I'm just having a moment, I'm just amazed that I get, have been able to be married with Kate for 30 years and we've been able to watch each other's growth and uh, all to you, Jesus, all the glory to you. You're amazing. Uh, as I was waiting on the Lord um, about what he would have me share uh, for all y'all, as we say in North Carolina, um, and uh, uh, what I heard from the Lord um, was that he wanted me to share the same message that I shared just last Sunday, which was the Sunday after Easter. And um, I uh, was chatting with Stephen. You guys have been in a series very similar to the one that we have been in. And, uh, and so I was just really quickened to share that word. I shared it with Kate. She said, darling, I, or I asked Kate, what do you think I should share? And she said, I think you should share that, that message. And, uh, and this message is centered in Acts chapter 3, and ju- which is the story of the man that was uh, lame from birth in his feet. And as I'm in the foyer with Pastor Steve, uh, one, of the, 
wonderful members of this church family comes and shares a story of a man that was injured very badly in his feet. And I just knew right then, yes, this message is for y'all today. And because, uh, you know, I want to make sure that, this, that the message I preach, I'm not relying on just something I just did last week. Are you with me? That's why I'm sharing this with you because um, I want you to be very, very blessed and uh, I'm excited to share this with you. So let's turn to Acts chapter three, verse one. Now, Peter and I'm gonna just assume that you're turning to it and you'll catch up. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that's called Beautiful Gate to ask alms for those or to beg for those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, the man asked to receive alms. And Peter, fixing his gaze on him, as did John, said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Wow. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognised him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I will never forget the first person the Lord used me to heal that was paralysed from the waist downwards, couldn't walk. And as he was listening to the Word of God, um, you know, being just somebody introducing the, the, the speaker, which wasn't me, I was working with the speaker. And his mother brought him to me. This was in Ghana, West Africa. His mother brought him to me. He was five years old and she was like holding him up and his, his legs seemed lifeless and she's screaming, I'm, my son is healed, my son is healed. And I'm thinking, he does not look healed. And she said, and I said that to her, I said, I'm not, I'm not sure that he's quite healed yet. And she said, no, no, he is. She said, she said he moved his feet just now and he's never ever moved since he was dropped by his sister and his spine was broken. And I just was like sobered up in a moment. Catch up with me, Duncan, is what I've heard in my spirit. And I said to this boy, um, walk. And so his mother sort of pushed him and he, he kind of did this and then he did this. And right in front of my eyes, he... And his, his legs that were, were thin, skinny legs were just like 
in, I don't know when the moment happened. I, I said, I, I think, I, I got that wrong. I said he was five. He was actually older than that. He was like nine or 10, I forget. But anyway, old enough to be on his own running. And it's a long time ago. So my, I ask your forgiveness for that detail correction there. But I just felt the Holy Spirit remind me he was actually older. But anyway, in that moment, I had to turn around because he started running at me. I had to turn around from sort of walking with him like this. I had to turn around and he ran after me. And then, of course, I took him to the, the, um, the man that was leading the, cru- the, cru- the big event uh, in Ghana. He invited him up onto the platform and the young boy was chasing him up on the platform. And this gigantic crowd, largely of Muslims, all just went ballistic. And almost all of them gave their lives to Jesus at the end of it. It was one of the most extraordinary things I've ever witnessed in my life. And so I want, I share all of that with you so that you can enter into how extraordinary this moment was. And while he clung to Peter and John, all the people were utterly astonished and ran together to them in the portico of Solomon's. And Peter saw it and he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we've made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy One and the Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead to this we're witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. This miracle was so significant because this man was over 40 years old. You read that later in the the Scripture. He was over 40 years old. He was daily taken to this gate. It was the gate that everyone went in and out of very, very public, well known to anyone who would go in and out. And it occurred to me one day that this man had, was probably the most disappointed man in Jesus Christ of Nazareth that was alive in that that time. Because many of his friends, including a blind man that was born blind, was healed by Jesus. Many, and there was a community of people that were were disenfranchised beggars and and, and so on, people that were just outcasts in society. And they were all the people that Jesus ministered to and and so many of them got healed, but not this man. Somehow or other, this man was passed by Jesus. And you could imagine that this man would have every excuse in his heart to believe that he was passed over by God. And many of you have felt in your lives, Lord, it feels like everybody else is getting touched. It feels like everybody else is blessed. But why do I have to struggle so much? Why am I somebody who's left behind? Why is it that my family are struggling with cycles of poverty? Why is it that my family, we feel like we're just living from paycheck to paycheck and it's almost all gone, if not gone, at the end of every month? Why is it that we're dealing with sickness and and struggling? Why is it that people get promoted all around me, but I don't, I get passed over?
And this man had every reason to be thinking those thoughts as you may feel that you have every reason to think those thoughts. But Jesus, but Jesus, you see, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing and only said what he heard the Father saying. And the Father, every time Jesus walked past that man, the Father said, not right now. That one's for Peter and John. You see, we don't know the future. It's not how we start. It's not even where we are right now. It's the future, just like Pastor Steve just brilliantly just shared this morning. And that, that's exactly it. God wants to take all of our past that we feel is just, it just is full of stories of how things have not gone the way we thought they would go. And He wants us to know today, I'm the great Redeemer. I've got an amazing plan for you. And I wanna pick out just a few things in this story that will help us today to understand at the end of two years of the pandemic where so much has been lost, vitriolic uh, elections, horrific racist issues that have been so deep in our past in the United States just bubbling to the surface because God's the great redeemer, He wants to redeem everything. He's got a plan and a future for us all individually, for us as a church and for us as a nation. And it is a bright and glorious future in which He is going to glorify His Son Jesus in us, just like He did in this story. Because there's a reason why Peter and John were so careful. Peter was so careful to say to this, this man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's right. That same Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you thought had passed you by, that you thought even worse now, he died on a cross and so your only hope was completely snuffed out. And very often our breakthrough that God wants to bring to us comes when it feels like it's over, baby. Like, it, this is it, it's done. There's just no way we're gonna recover from this. I don't even know if, if God cares about me anymore. My one hope, and that's where this man was at. Peter read his mail when he said that. It was a powerful redemptive moment when he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one that you heard was crucified on the cross, a few weeks ago that you thought was dead. Now, your only hope, he's not dead, he's alive. What you thought was the end, it's just a new beginning because the death of Jesus was necessary for the resurrection of Jesus and he has ascended into the heavens and now his name is right here and I'm in that name. You see, we tend to think that in the name, of Jesus is some kind of, without realizing, perhaps at a subconscious level, but the way we use it betrays the reality that we just don't quite understand what it means in the name of Jesus Christ. We tend to think of it as some way of legitimizing our prayer. You know, with such and such and so and so and such and such and so and so, and then we kind of add the little kind of evangelical magic to the prayer to kind of now make it the abracadabra, it's now gonna happen. 
Now, this, I'm just using this to try to illustrate what you, where I'm coming from here. You see, in the name of Jesus is not just some add-on words that we pray to now make the prayer official and make it all work. Prayer is not magic. Prayer is an, intimate, is, is an overflow of intimacy with Jesus. And when we say in the name of Jesus, we are saying, Father, I understand I am in the name. I'm literally in the name. Remember when Jesus at the Great Commission, he says, go into all the nations and baptize them in the name. He's not giving this sort of formula of what pastors and leaders should say when they baptize us. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now come up out of the water. You know, as though somehow those words are what makes you baptized. Although having said that, there is power in those words. But the power doesn't come from us adding the words. The power comes from the reality that we're actually saying to them, you are in the name of the Father. You are in the name of the Son. You are in the name of the Holy Spirit. The name is the identity. From this moment forward, if someone says Duncan Smith, you immediately will think of me. Because my name is synonymous with my person. And so that's what Jesus is saying. How do we all, all of us in this church, we're all called to make disciples. It's not leaders that are called to make disciples. We're all called to make disciples. How do we make disciples? We literally immerse them, which is what baptized means. We immerse them in the identity of the Father, in the identity of the Son, and in the identity of the Holy Spirit. It's that easy. And you know, Peter right here, he's saying, I understand. Could we put the slide up that I, um, if you guys have a moment. It's up, perfect. I want to take a few moments and I suggest if you've got a, an iPhone, take a picture of this and you don't have to try to scribble it all down, but it will be useful to you. And, and it's just my... Uh, quick synopsis, I want to help to open the eyes that many of us, myself included, we so often have an old covenant, Old Testament paradigm and approach to God. But Peter right here, he is revealing a, that in Jesus, we're in the new covenant and we have a new approach to God. So Peter doesn't say, Hold on a moment. Father, would you please come? Or Jesus, would you please come? Or Holy Spirit, would you please come? And would you heal this man? He knows I'm in the new covenant. So in the old, God was on the outside. As Benny Hinn said, man, very few people in the old covenant had God on the inside. And so what's our approach to life is, oh, God needs to come to me. God will come to me. God, please come to me. But in the new, God is in me. And I've been careful to write on here God because God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm dealing with our paradigm thoughts. And so God, in my experience, when I realize in the new covenant, God is in me and I'm in God. 
Now my approach to the world is completely different. God is going to come through me. Now, I wanna take a moment to just say to you all, I want you to notice that Peter and John were on the way to the temple to pray at the time of prayer, I should say. What does that tell me? That tells me, okay, that there's something about the rhythms of attending a meeting that is bigger than you for the purpose of prayer and worship is something in the new covenant that is still the way God wants us to walk. And Peter and John understood it. They didn't just suddenly go, you know what, we're in the marketplace ministry now. And there's nothing wrong with that. The marketplace ministry is absolutely where we're all called to be. But Peter and John were honouring the Lord and coming to the temple in the new covenant because they understood that gathering together is powerful. And I want to encourage you as a church, well done for coming together Sunday mornings. Well done, all of you for making the effort to come. And let me tell you, I know it's an effort. I remember the days, Kate and I, when we were young and our kids were, I mean, we lived up in Canada and we're like, for goodness sakes, when are we gonna stop having the arguments about you need a hat, you need your gloves and you need your coat on? Right? And so we're all flustered and frustrated and of course it wouldn't take long before, you know, Kate and I were like having a big you know, argument with each other about the way in which we talk to our children or otherwise and so on and so forth. And we're in the van now, we're heading down to the church that's in revival. And we're gonna be, I'm maybe even speaking and we're on the front row and I'm boiling on the inside. And I'm like, dang it, it's so hard to get to church. The Holy Spirit reminds me, you didn't go to church, you are the church. And thank you for making the effort and I realized, I realized in the pandemic this one thing among others, but this very big one thing. Since when did we ever get the idea that it's not sacrificial to be in a meeting called church? Where did we get the idea that actually convenience is the way we're supposed to live our lives, including being the church? Being you paid a price to be here this morning. Congratulations. And you know what? Here's what I want to say. For those who are willing to be part of meetings together that is the church expression, on the way, on the way, God's going to set you up with extraordinary miracles. And you know what? What you, listen, I'm saying this to you now as a pastor. You are very unlikely to know how to respond to the moments God wants you to respond in to bring the supernatural out there in the marketplace and in your families if you haven't seized the opportunity to practice in this environment. Let me flip it the other way around. Practicing in this environment will prepare you to be an awesome, awesome, awesome minister of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven in the marketplace. Just like Peter and John, they were ready. And Peter just reaches down and picks him up. And it's when he picks him up that the miracle happens. I learned a very, very powerful lesson. And I hope this doesn't 
lose any of you as friends, but I used to be a police officer in England. I had one of those bobby hats, helmets, had my little, my little wooden truncheon in my pocket. No guns, of course, you know, it's England. We had to say, stop! That's authority. Or I'll say, stop again! And that's because we didn't have a lot of power. Or I'll throw my stick at you. But you know what I learned, folks? What I learned is that every moment as a police officer, when I did what a police officer is called and uniformed and warrant carded to do legally in the law, every time I did it, I had to do it even though I was in Her Majesty, the Queen of England's police force. I would never have got a commendation if I told a person that I was to arrest, lawfully to arrest, if I told them, wait here while I go and get the Queen of England, because it's really her authority that I stand in. It's really her power that I have. And that's true. And I'm going to go wake her up and bring her here from Buckingham Palace at 3am in the morning, 200 miles away, and have her make the arrest but can I just put that, that's ridiculous, isn't it, everybody? But can I put that to you that that's what we're doing with God every time we ask God to come and do a miracle when he has commanded us to heal the sick? God will back us up when we exercise the authority that he has given us, that we're under that authority, therefore we carry that authority. And when we do that miracle, make no mistake, everybody, no one around you is gonna think that was you. So just relax, get over yourself and all of your fears, which is mainly what binds me up when I'm in that moment, and just step forward in the name I'm in the name. Every one of us in this room, we can know I'm in the pillar of fire that the Israelites saw at night. I'm in the cloud of his presence that was by day, that came on the Ark of the Covenant. You have Jesus on the inside of you. The one that the Ark of the Covenant symbolized. You're in the new covenant. You have that Ark in you. And you have the Holy Spirit on you. Now, learn to walk in His power in here so that when you're out there, you've practiced and you've got amazing spiritual muscles. Let's stand. I believe that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him and diligently seeking him includes making the effort to leave our home to come to a meeting like this to worship Jesus, to worship the Father. And I believe that because I I just look around you, it almost brings, at all of you, it almost brings me to tears just like it did when I was looking all across at our church family and to to see that you're willing to continue paying the price to be part of meetings on Sunday mornings. That blesses, 
the heart of God. Do not, I urge you, do not enter into a mentality of, I no longer need to be part of organized church. Yes, you do. The more organized it is, the better the Holy Spirit can flow through it. I know what chaos looks like and God doesn't like it that much. I also know what order looks like without God and that's not great. He doesn't like that either. But when you order everything in order to carry the presence, you become the wineskin that holds the new wine. And by the way, today's new wineskin for them was last year's sacrificed lamb. They didn't have wine in bottles. What are you prepared to sacrifice today, now, in your life so that you can be a wineskin, not just you individually, but you together, so that God can pour his new wine by this time next year into your lives? Let's reach up your hands to heaven and just begin to ask the Holy Spirit just to come and touch you and fill you. And I want you just to begin right now to start thinking about your life, your place of work, your favorite cafes, your favorite, your family, your family meals, your gatherings with friends. And even the next time you're here in this, in this room, and just begin to welcome the Holy Spirit and ask him to show you all of those people that are hanging out at Gate Beautiful, stuck, longing for the God who's inside you. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com give.